Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. so excited to be with you tonight. I was asked to talk to you about friendships and specifically intimacy and friendships. And I love this topic. It's something that's near and dear to me. And frankly, if I can say this, I think I'm a good person for the job. And the reason I'm a good person for the job is because I haven't always had very many friendships. And I'm so thrilled to say that now I have boatloads. I was frankly one of those girls in high school that just got along better with guys. And a bigger part of the problem was my obnoxious championing. I get along better with guys as if it was some sort of compliment to myself. It took me an embarrassingly long time to realize that it was not a compliment to myself that other girls didn't like me. It took me an embarrassingly long time to realize that the problem was not every other girl in the world. The problem was me. One year I was uh, sharing a little bit of my story to the new members of your group and on my way out, one of them stopped me and she asked me rather bluntly, so if you didn't like girls, why the heck did you join a sorority? There's like a ton of us. It was a fair question. Um, But it did catch me off guard, and I think I mumbled something about peer pressure, but the real answer was that it was because maybe in the back of my mind I knew I had something wrong, and I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to be better. So what changed in my life regarding this topic? I can't be exactly sure. I don't know, but something did, because there's simply no comparison to the person who I was to the person that I am today. Back then, I could count on one hand how many people would have accepted a lunch invitation from me. And today, I don't have enough hands to count how many women's kitchen I could walk into right now and open the refrigerator and ask why they're out of flavored creamer. Or start putting dishes away without having to ask where anything went. And so the best way to describe what I have today with my circle of women is it's true. It is not always pretty, but it is always true. I've stood in a whole bunch of weddings I have several godchildren. I've held many babies in their delivery rooms while their mamas, my sisters, smiled proudly. I've answered phone calls in the middle of the night, some with tragic, tragic news. I've held bouquets at ceremonies, Bibles at baptisms, and hands at funerals. Together, we've shared each other's special moments and we've endured each other's mundane. We've fought, we've cried, we've laughed until we couldn't breathe, we've traveled the world together. We've hated and then forgiven and then hated again and then forgiven again each other's siblings and parents and husbands. We've disciplined each other's children. We've done each other's laundry, boxer shorts and all. We've run each other's errands and we've fed each other when the going got tough. Our kids have worn each other's clothes and caught each other's colds and we'll probably make out with each other one day. I can't be certain. I'm not there yet. But we share our prayer requests and our menstrual cycles and our joys and our frustrations and the highs and the lows in this precious moment in time. 
to prepare. I've thought a lot about my circle of women and the miracle that they are to me. And I want to share with you one thing that I think might have changed in my soul. When considering creating intimacy with the women around me, I think a big part of the solution was to quit assuming things about people. To quit assuming. So I'm not a runner. I say that and and I'm not sure that the, the image that should come to mind does because it's really a very gross understatement. I've taken a stab at it before, but I've found that it hurts and I don't typically do things to myself that are painful. Like as a rule, I try to avoid pain and the times that I have tried to run around the block or something, I've really just found myself gasping and heaving and cussing and counting and then cussing some more and then eventually just going ahead and picking which house I should die in front of. I'm like, that one has great shrubs. Let's go there. Oh, wait, that one that one has a Jesus statue. Let's go there. And it's always so annoying because my friends are like, oh, it's a really great prayer time for me. And the only thing that I can ever find myself praying is when is this going to be over and why do you hate me? I really, really hate to run. But I'm very runner friendly. So when I drive around my neighborhood and when I see my neighbors out and about filling their much more capable lungs with oxygen, I smile and I wave frantically and I I give a little good for you cheer. I clap even. And one of the things, you know, that can really... I have this dramatic response when I do something noble, like waving at someone who's doing something expertly that's impossible for me, and then they don't wave back at me. I have this dramatic response where I'm like, you know what? I was really just kind of craving community and kindness and things that are decent. And I can't get anyone to wave at me. So you know what? I'm just going to move. And so it's this, like I said, this dramatic response. But you guys, I have a point and it's that I have recently started running. And I realized I'm not as noble as a person as I would have thought. I thought my neighbors weren't waving at me because they were mean. I thought they weren't waving at me because they hated me. Or because they knew which house I lived in and, and really were annoyed with our dogs who bark or my lack of flowers or that we can never seem to get our trash in on time. I assumed, I assumed, I assumed. I assumed my neighbors were mean. I assumed they didn't like me. But now that I run, I know firsthand that people aren't waving at me because they're doing more important things. Like trying to breathe. <laughs> They aren't waving at me because they're deep in prayer or they're deep in thought or they're working something troubling out with their thumps into the pavement. They aren't waving because sometimes the sun hits a windshield just the right way and because of the glare you can't see that somebody was waving at you from inside their car until it's already gone. This happened to me three times in one run. My first 30 minutes of running I learned that my neighbors aren't rude but that I was an assuming person who was wrong and I've wasted a lot of time trying to move. You guys, it's so easy to sit across the circle from someone who looks a certain way or sounds a certain way and make a million wrong assumptions about them. When I was in Cayo, there was this girl that I would have been jealous of if I didn't like her so much. Honestly, she was that perfect. You couldn't even be jealous of her. She was that lovable. She was a 10 on a 10 scale of beautiful. She laughed loud and easily and made other people do the same. And she always seemed to know what to wear. (laughs) She had attention from boys in every single social circle. And she seemed so comfortable in those social situations, the same ones that I found intimidating. And it wasn't until I was in a Bible study with her that I learned, because she shared, 
that she grew up with an alcoholic mother and pain and rejection and self-sufficiency and trauma were huge parts of her story. She came to Bible study because she wasn't a Christian, but she thought that maybe she wanted to be. And if you would have had me guess, I would have said that I was certain that she grew up with loving parents who played board games on Friday nights. That she grew up in Sunday school at her neighborhood's Baptist church and could retell every Bible story there ever was. I would have been certain that her circumstances were idyllic, that everything was easy for her, and that her story was better than mine. Why do we do that? I don't know. I can't be positive, but I learned a lesson that night. And it's that I don't know everything. When my sister shared her story, I found her that much easier to love, and we became roommates, and we are dear friends to this day. And it just makes me wonder how many people I've let pass me by because my assumptions about them kept me from reaching out. Or their reluctance to share hid their beauty. This is twofold. Yes, we need to quit assuming, but we also need to tell our stories. We need to grow in love for one another. And we need to reach out and help each other heal because everyone has a story that will break your heart. So we need to let compassion and not judgment lead us in our quest to really know one another. Judging is the easiest thing to do in the whole world. But if everyone was leading with compassion in the place of judgment, then we would be more likely to tell our stories. And our stories are important. They connect us to one another. We can't as easily dismiss one another if we've shared our stories, if we know their story. So I want to encourage you ladies to gather the words that shape your existence. Analyze the events of your life and be passionate about collecting your details and then use them to tell how God has moved in your life and then share it. Share yourself with another because we can't assume anymore that way. When we explain our lives, we bring clarity and we reveal passion. And then when we share it, we, we realize that our stories cannot be separated from the stories of others. Our lives are complicated. Marriage is hard. Our childhoods were tangled and our friendships are thick. And motherhood is exhausting and exhilarating all at the same time. But when we decide to thoughtfully reveal ourselves to others, then they get to follow along. And we can relate to each other. And then that's when we dive into this true community, this true friendship. I feel like a lot of times the message is to tidy up humanity. You know what I mean? But I want to reject any trend that tries to put a cap on humanity. Because our stories have power, even the messy ones. And they can transform our lives. And how we use them to connect with others, it matters how we have lived life deeply it matters from the book of hebrews we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain this is my friend jamie we've been friends for three years She is a sure and steady partner, is full of wise counsel, and is a beautiful yogi. Together with the Lord, we anchor each other's souls. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Allison. (laughs) So we are holed up in my master bedroom on the floor. That'll take more meaning in a minute. But um, it's raining outside. It's dark and gloomy, and the thunder's rumbling. And I am a happy girl. You just walked into my house, and I offered you... Um, 
something to eat and something to drink. And one of the deepest reasons I love you is you said, yes, I'm hungry and I need water. Mm -hmm. And you just let me feed you. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. I think a lot of people would have <laughs> stayed hungry this mm -hmm. whole time that we're together. So thank yep. you for expressing your needs. It leads to intimacy. Yeah. Thank you for feeding me. Um, <laughs> so we became friends in a little bit of an unlikely way. I don't know. It surprised me, mm -hmm. at least. Me too. Um, but you were on stage at a church sharing your story. You had survived a terrorist attack in Africa. I have a feeling this will be a highlight of another episode one day. <laughs> but there was something about the way you told your story that gripped me and it wasn't necessarily because it was a gripping story although obviously it was it was you mm. you you got up there and you told the truth and there was no gimmick there was no scheming you just got up there and told it and were so incredibly lovable and I took you by the shoulders in the parking lot I think I had to muster up six weeks of courage to and, do that yeah. <laughs> and just told you um how special I thought you were yeah that was really meaningful to me, too, because, you know, I'd noticed you as I was talking in the front, and you, you made eye contact, and you smiled, mm. and, you know, you, there's certain connections that you just feel mm. naturally with people, and hmm. so... You've like, never told me that before. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I, and I always kind of, like, thought, like, I had um, known that you'd written this book and known about that process, and, um, and so I'd always kind of thought of you as, like... I don't, this is going to sound silly, but like one of the cool kids, yeah. <laughs> you know, just someone <laughs> neat to know. Yeah. And so when you caught me that day leaving, um, and told me what you told me about, about the talk and, um, it meant a lot to me because, um, you saw something in me, mm. you took the risk of telling me and it, it, and also it's one of my greatest love languages, words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. And so for you to do, to do that, to speak that into my life, was just extremely meaningful. It was such a great start. Mm -hmm. I love it. And our friendship has just sunk all these many deep places um, over the over the years. How long has it been? Two years? Yeah. And so we do yoga together mm -hmm. most days of the week, really. Yeah. You're yeah. just That's so loyal. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I feel like every time we're together, it matters. Mm -hmm. Our time is never wasted. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's such a gift. Yes, it is. So one of my favorite things about you, Jamie, is um, that you are very bold with telling the truth. And so I think that's what I was so captivated by on stage. And you don't apologize for it. You just will ask the question. And a lot of times it's a centering thing for me. Like you, might, I'll say something and you might say, are you sure about that? <laughs> and it's this check for me. And, and I, I trust you and your truth and your walk and your spirituality and your gut so much that it makes me uh, go back to mine and double check. So I, I just really appreciate that about you. Wow. That is, that's really um, humbling and meaningful to me. Um, Yay. Good. So for me, I love that you take risks mm. and, um, that you look for life and light in other people, like you look for it. Mm. You're all, I can see it in your eyes mm. when people are talking. And um, like one of the things, one of the key moments of our friendship for me was when I was sharing about some things that were mulling around in my head and how you just dove right in and you're like, what if it looked like this? You know, mm. and like you were helping me process things. You know, I, 
I really value that a lot because um, I'm a processor. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and also, one of the things that I most love about you, and this word is overused or, or used a lot, but it's so true of you, and that you love fiercely. Mm. You love the Lord fiercely. You love your family fiercely, and you love your friends fiercely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah. Those were, I like it when, um, <laughs> you know how when you're little and like somebody calls you cute and you're like, I don't want to be cute. So I love it when you, when someone loves something about you that you love about yourself. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a, that's, that's yes. a neat thing when that happens. It is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we are here to talk about spiritual friendship and, um, you know, as a young person, I feel like friendship meant something um, something pretty simple. You know, it might be because you dressed the same or you sat at the same lunch table or you liked the same kind of music. And so basically friendship was just something as um, easy as having something in common with something else, with someone else. Yeah. And then we get older and it kind of graduates to, at least for me, how thoroughly we or how well we could discuss a topic. You know, yeah. like there might be this topic between us and, and how much we agreed on that. Right. And so then it, it, so it was really just about a talent for conversation. That's what friendship was as I got older. And now friend to me is this really valuable word and it's something very complicated and it's hard to put your finger squarely on um, for me. And I'm hoping that you, Jamie, can shine a light on the finer parts of this complication. So what does spiritual friendship mean to you? Yeah, that's a big question. (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny because I have this one image in my mind that the Lord always brings me back to, and it's just become like kind of a theme of my life, I guess. But, um, and it's this house and there's a lot more to it. But one of the things as I've thought about friendship and what's worked for me and what hasn't worked or what's been healthy and what's not been so healthy is the, that, that not all friendships look the same and they don't all have the same access, you know? Mm. Um, and I might not put this, perfectly, but, um, it's, it's a work in progress in my mind. But, um, I think about how like, um, some friends come and they might drop something off and you just kind of stay in the yard or whatever. And then you've got other friends who will come in and to the four-year area and you might visit for a little while. And then others will come and sit on the couch for a while and have a conversation. Maybe you offer them a cup of coffee and they stay a little bit longer. And, you know, you, you might talk about things a little, um, more regularly or more, deeply but then then you've got friends who come into the kitchen and they maybe sit there while you make a meal or you know whatever and then you've and even in that there's like friends who will help you clean up Mm -hmm. in the kitchen and then there's the rare jewel of like friends that you let into the messiest room in the house your bedroom you know and that's an area that like not many people like when they come over to your house go into your bedroom right and, and then we were laughing because, like, the master ba- bathroom is, like, the room <laughs> that you know you've reached the Jamie pinnacle. Jamie just braved the master bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so true, because that's where, like, for some reason, and I think this is worth exploring, too, we have a tendency, or at least I do, to have a tendency to, like, when people are coming over, we put all of our junk into yeah. the master bedroom yeah. or the bathroom. Or no whatever. one will go in there. No one's going to go in there. And, or we'll, um, we allow it to stay the messiest or even the dirtiest. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a sad statement because like, that's where our marriage takes place. And, sure, you know, yeah. and, but we allow, like, 
we might clean the rest of the house, but oh, if we miss the master, it's okay. Right. Or, you know, and so like, you know, is there mold growing there? Is there, you know, I mean, <laughs> like, how old is that laundry on the floor? You know, yeah. I think that, anyway. So for, so the components of this spiritual friendship, this deepest level, this right. master bedroom friendship, mm-hmm. what are the components of it? What is... Yeah. What are the parts of that for you? Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's an individual thing. Yeah, I think I think it absolutely is. I, the more the, the older I get and the longer I've lived, the more I see that God is so creative and so unique and it is a mistake to try to like sum things up into one tidy box, yeah, you know. Always. And um and so for me, mm-hmm. like it's that allowing people to see the mess that it's not perfect yet. It's not tidy. It's not, not even well decorated, you know, mm-hmm. or, or it's a work in progress. That for me is one of the, the marks of um, true friendship for me is when I can allow someone and feel comfortable allowing someone, maybe not at first, but I get there where I can let you see this is my space. Yeah. This is my mess. Yeah. And this, like, this is really dirty. Yeah. You know, as they're talking, I remember this one time um, and I was newly married and this, my house was out of control. I just did not care for it well at first. And, and it was truly out of control. I'm not being dramatic. Like there were tons of dishes. It was just a mess. And I was so overwhelmed and, and over my head. And there was this one girl who just kept a really tidy house and she enjoyed cleaning. And I remember inviting her over asking her if she would help me clean my house. Oh, that's love. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I just, I can't believe I've no, I haven't thought of that story in years. <laughs> but um, There was something about her that you trusted? Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, for me, I think my, my spiritual components, there's something, or the components of a spiritual friendship, there's something about being able to say uh, exactly what's on my mind and heart for me, if it's not fully honest, I I don't, I don't even think it's a friendship. I think it's something else. Right. You know, I mean, we might be an acquaintance who finds each other funny. Yeah. We, um, might enjoy the same topics, but if I can't really reveal my heart to you, it's, it's just not a friendship at all. Well, it's like Um, a living room. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's these echelons of friendship, I guess. Um, there's a, it's a spectrum. And then, you know, there's something also about, um, I think there's something really bonding about experiencing my woes and my victories with true sadness or true joy. Mm-hmm. There's something about really um, rooting for one another yes. and wanting the best for each other that Absolutely. reveals a purity. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've talked about this before that, that you can kind of almost sniff it you know sense it or what sniff it yeah what, you know what I mean <laughs> yes that you can you can kind of tell who those people are who are Absolutely. truly rooting for you and that yes. there is something so extremely precious about that because I mean I mean we need people like that in our lives you know God gives us people like that in our lives to help us um in our journey mm-hmm. you know because if we're not like at the end of it all if we are not um in it to help each other grow to help each other experience abundant life, to help each other throw off those things that hinder, then, I mean, what? 
what yeah yeah what's the what's the point, point? and and th- you know that's the other thing too is that we're so short on time it's like when we're together with other yeah. women it really needs to to yeah. matter deeply but um you know i've realized that friendship is something you know you mentioned you can sense when someone's not for you you can sense mm-hmm. when um when you know when those things happen and and i've i've noticed that you can't enter into friendship uh, that deep level anyway, by sheer willpower. Yeah. Um, I've certainly tried <laughs> to take mediocre, you know, kind of mid-level friendships and force them into this deeply intimate place. And I've driven myself crazy doing it, insisting, yeah. you know, on, on trying to take them to a place where it's really just not willing to go. And, um, and so I don't know, I'm just, I'm curious what you think about how do we, how do we comfortably deal with that? Yeah. What are we called to as Christians with conflict? Yeah, that's super tough. Um, you know, I mean, when you asked me to to talk to come and talk to you about this, and not even just the fun and fluffy parts, but the hard parts, I like did inside. I was like, no, I do not <laughs> want to go there because it's painful. It you is. Know? It is painful. It's painful when we let people in, and we probably all have an unfinished story. Oh yeah. 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 And I mean, I have one that's especially raw and open to me even right now that like, you know, anytime, like when we're in yoga and you talk about, um, that person who you're in conflict with or whatever, Mm -hmm. imagine them next to you and breathing the same air as you and Mm. that it's always this person. Mm -hmm. And you know, that, you know, that's a, that's a tough one for me. It um, is. It's hard. hard. You know, I think about that verse that tells us to be at peace with all men. Yes. And then there's as that little... As far as it concerns you. That's right. I'm sorry. As much, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. As much as it is up to you. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I think that our, our call as a Christian is to not shut a door. Yes. You know, yes. and to not burn a bridge. Right. And to stay open. And I just yeah. think about how transformative it would be to walk into these difficult situations looking at somebody and saying, I love you and this is hard mm-hmm. and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And I have been loved so deeply by, um, I had to learn, women have ta- have had to teach me that cause I was a walker aware. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, if it was hard, um, I just thought I can find easier. Yes. Because we can. Cause we can. Yeah. Yeah. And then you don't, you're not changing, you're not growing, you're not getting these really dynamic sides to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I, I mean, I can, I can name them. I just am so grateful, but they Mm -hmm. have had to teach me that. Um, so do you have a person like that in your life that has really, maybe it's not necessarily those words, but anybody that's taken you to those hard places against your will? You know, it's funny. Um, I have had, oh, definitely my husband. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like he totally makes me you know, show up and be seen. And so that I'm, I'm grateful for. Sometimes I really don't like it because I'm a walker away or, you know, I'm like, mm. shut down, shut you out. Let me just gather my thoughts and get them perfect before I come to you. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. That, I think that's a big, I think that's a big hindrance and block in friendship is, um, let me get it together before I show it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, let me get yeah clean it up before, you know, and so I am growing in that, you know, I have invited a handful of people into like to speak into that space in my life, to Mm -hmm. say hard things to me, to ask me hard questions. Um, because 
I trust them, you know? Yeah. And um, there was this, Matt Chandler has written this book called Mingling of Souls, and um, in one part he talks about, and I didn't mean to totally um, massacre this word, but it's like the Hebrew word, one of the Hebrew words for love or something, and it's like hasad or hased or I can't remember what it is, but it basically it means I've seen you're crazy and I'm not going anywhere. That's what he said. <laughs> I love that. I know. I do too. And, um, you know, there are certain friends that, you know, we say that to each other. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Bring your crazy on. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's walk mm-hmm. through this and work it out together. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, there are two rela- relationships that I that came to mind as I thought of um, troubles and friendships. And the first one I've talked about a little bit, um, you know, where we caught, quote unquote had the breakup, and which was yeah. super painful um, because there were unmet expectations and um, and some of them were unrealistic. Oh, and expectations not healthy, can wipe you know? out a yeah. good relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, and then. You know, expecting um, so much of someone that that really they're not, they were never equipped and were never supposed to meet in your life. Exactly. That's a place that only God can be. Exactly, yes. But then also I've had um, another relationship that like, it's kind of like you, there's really not an option of not having this person in my life, you know? Mm. I mean, like, truly. And so what, how do I navigate that? Like Mm -hmm. when there's hurt. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, um, I've had to like garner my strength, you know, and yeah. like gathered up and, and, and risk. Yeah. And you know, life is about risk. And so I think that's part of what's so cool about those true heart friends where you can go to the deep, messy places. You get a chance to practice that vulnerability and what, um, how much of you you're ready to put into that or right. you're ready to let, let be seen but also it's giving you a safe place to have that seen and known mm-hmm. so that when you go to others that's right that aren't in that spot there's a little more of a tethering yes a grounding yes you know and so I, I totally agree with that my true deep spiritual friendships have given me a place to work it out to yes. try out yes. in more precarious relationships. Right. I know this is risky with you, yes. but all I can do is what the Lord has called me to do, mm-hmm. which is to keep my side of the road clean. And yes. I can't control exactly. how you respond to what I know I'm supposed to do right. that I've been taught works well in mm-hmm. very healthy, deep relationships. Exactly. And so then it frees me up. I get to, I get to, to, be obedient to my audience of one. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and oh. then how and then how people respond to that is just up to them and I spent a long time I think trying to strong arm yes. this this right. intimate relationship trying to strong arm people to loving cuz I'm I'm the opposite of of you and your other friend. I think I was the one with these really lofty expectations of of how to be loved perfectly, but there's something about that audience of one that allows you to see mm-hmm. we're all just children here. Yeah. And we're also wounded. Yeah. And where our wounds meet up is, um, I don't know, when you can look at it through that lens mm-hmm. of we're all hurting yes. and we're all doing our best. Here's how I'm going to do my best. You can either respond to it or not. Yes. So there is no yeah. closed door. There's never a closed door. There's right. just me telling the truth and right. if you respond to it or not. Right. And then something that my mom said, actually, um, you know, whenever I was going through this really painful friendship um, that I just really res- 
respect and appreciate. And she said, um, a lot of times time will bring understanding. And it's okay mm-hmm. if it doesn't. That's right, yeah. But We're so, so impatient. Yeah. The Lord is not. That's right. And yeah. so maybe I'll get to circle around with that friend again. Absolutely. And But maybe not. Yeah. And am yeah. I okay with that? Yeah. I'm, I mean, that's that's a question. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Jamie. This is really mm-hmm. great. I think it's important for other women to hear that everyone's kind of struggling in a relationship oh, yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. I feel like we only hear from Christians that are living out Christianity perfectly. Mm-hmm. I feel like we only hear about friendship, you know, when it's kind of done perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lisa Jo Baker has a new book out right now. It's called Unfriended. And uh, she's oh. been posting about it lately. And her posts about it are uh, stunningly raw. And so I'm, yeah, I'm excited to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jamie. Um, you're a dear friend to me and thank you for holing up in my master bedroom Uh with me. I I love love you so much. I love you too. And a word from our sponsors. This episode of Center Saint Sister is brought to you by Revival Living Interiors, where their prayer is that your home or business is a place of inspiration, love, and legacy. Revival starts at home. And Bass Plumbing. Call Bass Plumbing at 979-731-8723 or email them at bassplumbingllc at gmail.com to take care of all of your service, residential, and commercial plumbing needs. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hi, Beef. Hey, Beefy. Beefaroni. Beefinator. Beefalicious. We should probably explain why we call each other beef, right? For sure. So third grade, James Avery, everyone had the necklace. It was a heart broken into two halves. One said beef fry, and the other side said St. Inns. Street end. No, we've never said that. It was totally beef fry (laughs) and St. Inns. No, it's street end. S-T, street, end, street. Saint. Oh, my gosh, it's Saint. What kind of Catholic are you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even really think it matters because the beef fry part was the more desirable totally. half anyway, right? It's like Barbie and Skipper. <laughs> the girl holding Skipper was for sure settling. So anyone with St. End was like, yeah, you know, I'm the less dominant of the two. <laughs> I don't think we ever talked about that, but I totally agree that beef fry was catchier. Um, especially when nobody can agree if it's street or saint. So anyway, beef fry eventually over the course of, I don't know, 20 years, got shortened to beef. I'm pretty sure you said it first and thought that you were super hilarious because I'm a vegetarian and you called me beef. It was a slower evolution than one might think, but beef it is. Beefy affectionately. And it's set in stone. Now our kids even refer to each of us as beef. Or beefy. And only that. I mean, if I said Kristen, I don't even think they'd know who I was talking (laughs) about. Um, And here is how it is totally iPhone official and Siri approved, is that it has... Uh, my phone has quit auto-correcting beefiness, which, by the way, is an adjective. It can take many parts of speech. You can beef it up on the couch in jammies with candy, kind of like we're doing right now. It's a total verb. A verb. Yes. I think we've scolded each other for 
taking too long to respond to texts or something with like, well, you could have responded in a more, more beefily manner. That's an adverb, right? It's just not a very beefy response if there's not enough excitable punctuation in a text. Yes, 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 yes. So basically, we're Smurfs. Quit smurfing, smurfing around. around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the question of beef. Here it is. Is it possible to remain close to a friend if you really don't like their boyfriend or spouse? Eek. I am a little sensitive to this one, to be honest, because my first thought is that if your friend is happy and safe, I'm not really sure how much your opinion matters. You know, it's like if she's being treated well and it's just because you would prefer a different dinner date when y'all double date, I mean, maybe it's time to get creative and look for more redeeming qualities. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I have a little experience in this department. And, you know, it's one thing when you're in high school and college and everybody likes to do the same things and wear the same things and eat the same things and date the same things. Oh, yes. Um, but as we get older, I mean, that's a good thing that everybody grows into themselves and we're not going to like every single part of most of our friends. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you're right. But don't you think it's different if he's being mean or is disrespectful totally, or course, is overbearing? I mean, if your friend isn't ready to deal with that or, you know, maybe isn't certain that she could do any better or whatever underlying issue is going on that's allowing it. And then if you don't feel like you can discuss it openly because of where she is or where she isn't, then I think the relationship does undoubtedly change, you know? Yeah, I think it's... Surely it would change, but I think it's important, especially in that situation, to stay constant. I feel like friendships go through seasons of times when you're super, super close and talk all the time and seasons when you know that you could be super, super close and talk all the time. And so maybe you take a step back, but I think it's in that situation where it's important to... um, for her to know that you're always going to be on the sidelines for when she's ready to, to deal, deal with, with it. Yeah. She knows you're there because that's when she's really going to need you. You know what, though? I think what's changing the relationship is not necessarily that you don't like this person. It's that, that now there's a taboo subject, right? right it's like right. if you can't – honest dialogue is what friendship lives and breathes on. And so without it, it's just going to change. Yes, but I also feel like I have lots of friends that there are certain topics that we choose to not talk to, like – boring stereotypical things like politics or religion but I mean I have friends that run marathons and I have absolutely nothing in common with that part of their life and so we don't talk about that yeah so not to lighten it but I feel like there you can have some close friendships where every single part of your lives is not something that you talk intimately about and I think that's okay right I just think I think I I agree with all of that and I think that's a really good point. I just think that when you feel like your relationship kind of gets reduced to these emotionless phrases like yay for you, you know, that you're not really meaning, then intimacy's gone and everything's kind of ruined and so good luck with that. That is not beefy at all. <laughs> it's not a beefy response. <laughs> All right, so how's that for a (laughs) non-answer? Good luck to you. (laughs) All right, signing off. Bye, Beef. Lubella is my friend from junior high. She won every science fair there ever was. We lost touch for a while until Facebook intervened, and now that we're reunited, it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubella win the internet day after day. March 1st, 2015. You know that scene in Karate Kid. 
the one when Daniel leaves the school dance dressed like a shower, and all those blonde, awful, and ugly Cobra Con boys chase after him after he sprays them with water. And when they catch up to Daniel's son, they start beating the living daylights out of him. But then, Mr. Miyagi comes out of nowhere and starts taking them all out with the power of a thousand sons, because no one should have to deal with being bullied like that. One of my dearest friends has been going through a year I would compare to an Univision telenovela, but that hasn't deterred her heart of gold and kind soul. Today at lunch, she saw a group of other girls who have recently been disrespectful to her and have excluded her daughter from playdates due to, m- to my friend's struggles. Okay, I'll say it. They have been rude, talk-behind-your-back divas, and a word I am too polite to say that rhymes with riches. My friend quickly teared up and asked to leave. As we exited the restaurant, I noticed that they saw my friend and started to whisper and actually point at her, like we were middle school girls walking through the hall to our lockers instead of 38-year-old professional women. Before I knew it, my friend was in a shower costume. Those girls had on skeleton unitards, and I had the instant power of a thousand sons. I went up to their table and told them where they could shove that finger they were pointing at us and how all of them should shut their big Kendra Scott-wearing mouths. I apologize to the people at the restaurant for the scene. I apologize if I shame my parents in using foul language in public. I apologize if on some redhead woman's Facebook page there is a tirade about me and my inability to mind my own business. I am not apologizing for the fact I had my friends back that outside the restaurant she hugged me like I rescued her from a hole in a mountain in the middle of a war. And I especially am not apologizing for holding on to the biggest lesson my grandpa taught me. Your posse is your soul, and you should protect it. You can call me Mrs. Miyagi from now on. I almost bought myself an ice cream as a treat. And if one of the girls actually was taping it on her phone like she threatened she would, that's Lubell with one L and Gaelic, G-A-L-I-K. From the book of Hebrews, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learn that they are just like me and I am just like them. The women who have been my best friends. Just writing those words brings tears to my eyes. My best friend was my sister. She's been gone from my life for one year. She was so strong. Her life was a testament to what she believed. She was a teacher for at-risk kids and she changed their lives. She helped them find a purpose. They showed up at her funeral by the dozens. They all had their stories. The last time I saw her was February 14th. She came to visit me here. The day after that, she was in the ER where they found that her body was eaten up with cancer. She told me, I'll never forget it. Whatever God's plan is, sister, I'm I'm ready. If he wants me to fight, I will fight. If he wants to bring me home, I'm ready. But mostly she was worried about me, my mental stability. I only spoke to her one more time after that, 
I called the hospital. They told me she was in a coma. I begged them to put the phone to her ear. I wanted to hold her hand so bad. No one could believe it, but when they told her I was on the phone, she actually spoke. She told me not to be scared, to lean on the Lord. I just cried, and I told her that I loved her, that it was okay for her to go, she could go home. My family told me that she took two more breaths and then passed away. It was peaceful, they said. I miss my sister so much. I reread her letters over and over again. I'm so glad I have them. She talks so many times about how suffering purifies her soul. I didn't understand that then, but now I really miss my best friend. And God feels nearer than he's ever been. I guess suffering purifies my soul too. Dear God, you have placed women in our lives that give us the freedom to be ourselves, to be who you created us to be, who are there to remind us who we are should we ever forget. You have not designed us to be alone, Lord. Help us to enter into friendship in holy ways, to put aside our expectations, our fears, knowing that you are the only one who will ever fully fill us up. We are your daughters. Mold us in such a way to love one another well. Use us, God, to be Jesus to one another. Help us to use friendship, not just to have our needs met, but to better understand your love. Develop compassionate hearts in us, God. Shape us into women who love like Jesus. Thank you for these circles of friendship. Thank you for the bonds that you've given us. Thank you for the love in our lives. Thank you for your son. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For this episode, a special thank you to Brian Federal Prison Camp, Lisa Lloyd, Pamela Anthony, Lubel Gaelic, Jamie Sewell, Kristen Kelly, Chan Redfield, and the Chi Omega Fraternity at Texas A&M.